0: But the more I'm functioning properly is when I'm active, I'm moving around, I'm walking, I'm golfing, I'm uh, just immersed in day-to-day life. Um, That's when I feel the best. I don't know if I'll ever run again unless I'm being chased.
1: (laughs) Hi there, my name is Dan Murphy and you're listening to the Don't Change Much podcast. Not every athlete gets to go out on their own terms, and that's definitely the case with Hockey Hall of Famer, Chris Pronger. It wasn't that he was forced to retire because his play dipped, it was because he suffered two major injuries in a short span, and just like that, he was done. In this episode, we talked to Chris about the depression that followed, the long road to getting back to just enjoying quality of life, and the importance of setting your own goals and pace to try to get to a good place again.
0: Manage your stress, not the other way around. For simple ways to improve your mental health, check out the free MindFit Toolkit from the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Complete a self assessment, access virtual counseling, and learn more about how anxiety, stress, or depression might be impacting your health. Go to men'shealthfoundation.ca and access the MindFit Toolkit to start improving your mental wellness today.
1: pleased to uh, welcome in someone i've known for 30 plus years a good friend of mine chris pronger he's not nearly as mean as he used to be has non-playing days now uh so chris welcome and let's just say what keeps you busy and active these days trying to eat right
0: uh work out as much as my body will permit and uh just keep my mind active working on uh our travel business investments uh new business opportunities that uh, that come to the forefront and kind of running things down and making sure that it's a good fit for for me and my family uh you know if it's a good opportunity we'll certainly look at it and spend the time to to kind of dig through it but uh keeps my mind as sharp as it still is maybe and uh and then obviously work on my body after 16 surgeries i've got uh a little bit of scar tissue built up, so I got to keep uh, motions
1: lotion. Well, we're going to get to how you got to this place. We're in a good spot now. Quality of life is good. Uh, you know, Physically and mentally, you're happy, but it wasn't that way. And we're going to go back to the, the genesis of it in 2011. Um, it started with a stick to the eye uh, against the Leafs. I think you were bedridden for a few days after that.
0: I was bedridden for eight days, I believe.
1: Then two days after that you felt the need to start playing again. Was that too soon? (laughs) Oh, way too soon.
0: Yeah, I think I was still in the uh, old school mentality of push through and, you know, I'm getting paid to play, so I need to play, and I wanted to play. Um, You know, that kind of been ingrained in me from a young age, just, you know, playing the game. I love to play the game. I wanted to play the game, so therefore I was going to push through uh, no matter what was affecting me or how I felt. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of telltale signs as you look back at them and armchair quarterback it, you know, I was getting very nauseous at practice. I had headaches. Uh, you know, my, my vision was a little bit blurry, but I think that was the reason for the headaches and, and, and partly and, and didn't feel great, you know, but I used the, well, I've been bedridden for eight days. So, uh, you know, there's going to, you know, your, your body composition and, and the way that you feel is going to be a little bit off. Uh, so I made a lot of excuses and you know tried to to come back and play and and felt the first game back was a snoozer (laughs) that was the one against Tampa where I just stood there with the puck and begged them to come where they were playing the (laughs) 1-3-1 and so you know that that really didn't give me much uh, in the way of getting my heart rate up Uh, but still did not feel great after that game and and complained a little bit of just feeling nauseous and not, not feeling right. You know, I used to have a really good sixth sense and and have a good understanding of my surroundings and and what was going on around me and, and could just feel and sense somebody was close and I had none of that. Uh, And then we went to Florida, played, uh, we had a couple days off, then we played in Florida. Then we went to Carolina and, and I slid on a two-on-one in Carolina and my feet hit the boards and I snapped my head back and that jarred me again uh, then we went uh, back home and played Phoenix I got hit from behind uh, late in that game and and didn't feel great let's say uh, and then uh, then we went up to Winnipeg with you know I think I think this was their first Might have been their second year, but I think it was their first. And it was super loud, crazy atmosphere, and really was really starting to struggle. Uh, You know, equilibrium was now off, you know, headaches, nausea, really bad nausea, and not feeling myself at all. And uh, there were a couple instances in that game where I was just like, wow. As I sat back after the game, I was in the penalty box. I came out. And knew Tanner Glass was right here. I knew he was there, but I just grabbed the puck and I just kind of turned right into him. Like he could have killed me, killed me. And uh, thankfully, I had a reputation, so he didn't he didn't hit me. Uh, and I think he decided to maybe go for a change. And that was one instance. And then another one. I went to take a one timer, and I fell down. I missed the puck and fell down. Uh, that was a. A little bit of a wake-up call in and of itself. And then, uh, you know, just after that game, I think knowing what could have happened, putting myself at risk, uh, not feeling good, headaches, nausea, all the rest of it, uh, and not able to function at full capacity in a sport where you need to have all your faculties about you. um, You know, I think after that, I said, all right, I got to go see somebody. This is, I'm not good. I'm not well. And it
1: it took a while. Yeah, but it sounds like you knew in those games you were playing already, you were just making excuses to yourself or give yourself a reason to play.
0: Absolutely. You know, it was like, all right, it'll get better. I'm out of shape. Let me work through it. Let me get back into shape. Let me push through this. You know, the symptoms, you know, I'd had concussions before, and the symptoms would always go away. Um, And, you know, this one, they weren't. And and it was actually only exacerbating the situation and making it worse and worse. A- until it was just too much and I couldn't deal with it anymore.
1: How long from that point until it got really bad?
0: Well, that you know, I think a lot of it was being masked, and and you know, you 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 got your adrenaline going, and you're kind of amping up for games and and trying to get things right in your own head to be able to at least try to play uh, a physical sport in a game that's played at a high speed on ice with blades on your feet. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, you know, I think the adrenaline was pumping so much that I kind of masked a lot of the um, issues that I was dealing with. And then, you know, once I saw the docs, the next day we got back to, Saint, back to Philadelphia, saw the docs. She was like, all right, you need to go to Pittsburgh and see Mickey Collins uh, and his team and, and kind of get a full workup. And when I got to Pittsburgh and started talking to Mickey and, you know, you fill out all this paperwork, you you walk through everything that you've been dealing with he's kind of looking at me going how are you playing <laughs> Like, what are you doing why do you need to do this and I was just like well, well I don't but it's what I've done my whole life and I love playing the game and he's like walking me through all the different issues I mean it was like just a laundry list of things more on the you know mental side it wasn't even touching on the physical side of bad back, bad knee, bad this, bad that. It was just, all right, here's your cognitive functioning and, and how slow you're reacting to things right now based on your baseline from a couple years ago when you did the baseline testing with the league. And and as he walked through all that stuff, and then he walked through my history and walked through how many years I played and walked through all my injuries, and, you know, you start doing a deep dive into all that stuff. And, and he basically looked at me, and he's like, listen, you're You're gonna be a mess if you don't stop playing right now you're you're gonna be a mess like you still have time to get things right, but you've got so much wrong with you right now with respect to my vestibular system, which was in part my eye and the concussion uh you know, obviously concussion symptoms, and then you know on and on and on it was uh you know as he walked through that laundry list, you're just kind of like, oh this is a little bit more serious than I initially thought it was going to be and And you have to kind of take a step back and go, okay, I'm 38 years old. I've accomplished a lot in the game. Do I really need to to do this? And and more importantly, how long is it going to take for me to get healthy again? And, you know, as we know, it took like a year and a half, two years.
1: When you left that, were you still like, all right, this guy doesn't know me. I think I can still get back to playing. Or were you serious? Like, I think this might be done because, you know, no,
0: but by by that point, by that point, I had already done a bunch of research. I'd already seen a couple doctors and, and, and him being the foremost expert uh, at the time. Um, I had pretty well come to the conclusion that something seriously was wrong. Uh, you know, with the headaches, like I was driving to functions at night wearing sunglasses because the the oncoming car lights were bothering me and giving me headaches and and making me my equilibrium off and and driving a car. That's probably not a good thing.
1: (laughs) So how long from that point until you were in, I think you described it as a real dark, dark place.
0: Yeah. So I went from there, started doing some therapy stuff, started, you know. And then for a while, I, I didn't see an eye doc, so I didn't have glasses. So my eye was blurry. And I, you know, I'd go home and I'd start reading a book and I'd start doing stuff and read, you know, reading the book. Your eye's constantly trying to clear itself and, and, and unblur itself. And that was giving me headaches. But I wasn't, I didn't know that was giving me headaches. So then I went back to see Mickey Collins uh, and I saw a his eye specialist, and then he said, oh, no, your eyes blurry, and you, here, you got to wear these. They originally wanted me to wear contacts, and I'm like, I can't put my finger in my eye. Uh, and so I had to wear glasses, and therefore, like, well, I'm not going to play with glasses on. And I think as you start walking through the steps and going, okay, what's it going to take to reach this hurdle? What's it going to take to reach this hurdle? And you just start looking at it and start trying to figure out, mapping out, my eye, and and then I started doing the vestibular exercises, and it was um, it was daunting. You know, it was really as I was doing the vestibular exercises and working on my eye, it was really flaring up my my concussion symptoms. So it was kind of a you got to fix this first before we can deal with that. I had to get my eyes right, which was basically retraining my brain to see properly, and then from that. I could then tackle the the concussion issues and, and other things. So there was a, a pretty big process ahead of me in, in trying to deal with my eye and then the concussion and, and things like that. So I really didn't have a timetable at that point. I think one of the nice things was I had a, a meeting with Mr. Snyder and uh, and his uh, son-in-law was a, a doctor that he used to run stuff by and and he looked at my file and he's just like, how's this guy playing? And, you know, went through the whole thing. And, and, and I think that gave me more peace of mind that Mr. Snyder was, was good with it and understood kind of what I was dealing with. And, um, you know, when you have the owner kind of have your back like that, it, it, it makes it a lot easier.
1: How tough was it on your family? You had young kids. You said that, uh, not that yeah, you are abusive, but you were... came close to striking them a couple of times because you are scared. They snuck <laughs> up on you. Right. <laughs>
0: You know, like, again, because I used to have a really good sixth sense, I'd know they were kind of lurking around the corner. I knew they were they were around me. And I had not, I, I still, I mean, not very well or, or not very good. Coming around a corner, I get startled all the time. Whereas before, I kind of, you, you brace yourself. You can get a feeling that the energy or whatever, you can see, you know, somebody's around the corner. I mean, they'd scare me, not on not necessarily on purpose sometimes. They're kids. And, you know, a couple of times you're just startled and you're like, Don't do that. (laughs) You know, almost like it's a robber or somebody in your house. You're like, what's going on? So, you know, there's a few times where I was startled and just you kind of get taken aback or, you know, loud noises used to really bother me. So they're, you know, they're kids. They're screaming and yelling, having a good time and doing whatever. And, uh, you know, that used to really aggravate me and and get under my skin. Um, You know, camera flashes. So I would take, you know, you go to take pictures at an event. I'm like, you can't use your flash. Um, you know, it still bothers me a, a fair amount to, to this day, um, you know, just light sensitivity and, and, you know, the things that you hear a lot of people that are dealing with this, uh, you know, struggle with on a day-to-day basis. And so for me, it was tackling each and every one and then understanding what I was dealing with and, and then how to fix it or at least manage it in a way that uh, that wouldn't allow me to flare up.
1: Was your mental health at this point because you're not only dealing with these symptoms uh, physically, but you're also dealing with uh, the reality that your career is done? Yeah, I think
0: you know, career's over on um, the outside, looking in, just looking at me, I look fine, I look normal. You know, like it's not like you got a broken arm and you're out two to three weeks, and uh, or you got a broken leg, you're out six weeks or a month, or you know, whatever. You know, there's no set timeline for this type of injury, and I think that's the the hardest part for a lot of players when this happens is there's no set amount of time. Everybody heals differently. Everybody handles it differently. Everybody can manage or control symptoms in, in their own way. And, and so it, it's very, it's not cut and dry. So for me, you know, it was frustrating that I, I couldn't play. It was frustrating that everybody's asking me, hey, when are you coming back? When are you come back? When are you coming back? And I'm like, I can't just come out and say I'm not. I'm just saying, hey, I'm working on it, you know, so it just, you know, and then you get into the, the locker room and, and you're around the team and it's like, hey, man, you look good. Hey, when are you coming back? Hey, we miss you. And, and oh, that, you know, and then you're watching the games and it's like, well, that wouldn't happen if I was there. And, and, you know, you start playing all the guessing games as it relates to, to playing the sport that you love. And, and so it, it can be frustrating and, and, and draining, And, uh, you know, you get depressed and then you start eating bad and then you start working out less. It's just, you know, it's a trickle-down effect. And and it brings you into a dark hole in a dark space that uh, is hard to get out of.
1: How long did it take you to get out of it? And what got you out of it? Was there someone? Was there just a reality in your head saying, this is not good enough, I have to be better? Or what helped you through this, this time and how long did it take?
0: Yeah, I think it was probably... You know six or seven months I gained a bit of weight uh, I think I was I was playing that year I think I was 220 and I might have gotten up to 240 a little bit of a pot belly and I'm like all right this is you know you you can only blame so many things for your problems and I'm like listen start doing the things that are going to help you eat right work out do all the things that you used to do maybe on a more muted level and and have an understanding of what flares you up. Don't do it. Uh, or or and, as, and and as I was going through this, the medical field kind of changed their thinking in how you went about it. For a long time, it was like don't do anything and sit in a dark room. Don't flare up, and your symptoms will go away. And then it became well, get out in the light. You know, get the get to the get to the level where you flare up, and then come back below that, and try to keep pushing that up and up and up. And so. There was a little bit of counter advice, but but at the end of the day, you got to do what works for you and what uh, allows you to continue to have progress. You know, there was always like, hey, do you want to go see this doctor? Hey, do you want to go see that doctor? And I was like, no, I, I don't want to go from one to another to another because then you never know what's, what's going to work. If you just stick to one and stick to what you're doing and you see a little bit of progress, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, and you just got to keep working on it. Um, you know, I think some people look for a quick fix and, and unfortunately with the brain and with the body, there is no quick fix. Sometimes it's, it's time, it's time under tension and, and it's the ability to kind of keep pushing yourself, uh, much like we used to, you know, much like you do when you're training and playing and things like that. The same ideology, uh, is, is right here on this as well.
1: So it's about six to eight months when, you get out of the depressed state, you start to exercise more, eat right. Did you notice immediately uh, improvement in mental health uh, or was there still barriers you had to get through uh, physically? Like the quality of life was obviously not there at that point.
0: Yeah, you know, I was still flaring up, but but I was starting to see, you know, I'm now six, six months into my vestibular rehab. As we then finally diagnosed the issue, start working on it, you know, starting from ground zero and then building it back up. And so, you know, it's just, it's a time thing. It just takes time and it takes repetitions and it takes uh, you having the ability to continue to do the work and then layer on top of layer on top of layer and, and build it back up. And so I think for a lot of people, that's the biggest part is they want to, f- they want to mountain. Instead of just a slow rolling hill and, and it just it, it takes time and some people get frustrated and then they stop and they're like, oh, it's not working. Well, it is working. You just can't see the day to day progress. But if you were to look at two months ago to now, there, it might be this much. It might be this much. You, you just have to be able to have metrics to track it so that you can understand and see the gains that you are making. And even if they're small. You're not going. At least you're not going the other direction, which which sometimes happens. So, you have to really kind of stick with it and 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 continue to push yourself. Stay positive in a in a in a situation where it's easy to go negative, and we all do it. And and you know it's never every you know, you're gonna have bad days, and it it's getting out of those bad days, and having having things that can you know bring positivity, and whether it's working out and getting an endorphin rush or. Uh, eating right instead of bailing and having a bunch of junk food. Ha- eat eat quality food, um, you know. And then you go down the drugs and alcohol slope, and 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 guys can get lost in that. So it's you have to really be focused and and have an understanding of what the metrics are that you're tracking, and then and then
1: stick to it. Could you stay positive? <laughs> <laughs> Was it difficult?
0: Uh, yeah. There. Y-
1: Moments, yeah.
0: I mean, we all struggle. We're all human. But I think for me, it was, I would get frustrated watching the team. You know, then the <laughs> team started struggling. Then it's like, well, again, I go back. If I was there, that wouldn't happen. And we sign a goalie, and then I'm like, that guy wouldn't be doing that if I was there. And you just start thinking, not negative thoughts, but negativity creeps in. And then it's like, well, I'm not there. I mean, and you start going down that rabbit hole, and it's a matter of kind of extracting yourself. And I was getting to an age. Then I was 39, and I was like, by the time I got to 40, I was like, well, I'm done. First in my finally in my head, I'm like, I was watching games like that wouldn't happen if I was playing, or I'm watching games. Like, Why did he do that? He should have did this. And then I got to 40, and I'm like, well, I'm done. You know, with all the surgeries I've had and my body and everything, I'm like. Physically, I'm done, and mentally, now I'm starting to get better and healthy. And I'm like, I'm done. Like, I I mm-hmm. couldn't play even if I tried, for a number of reasons. And so, then I started watching the game differently, and just more as a fan, and more as you know, a scout and outsider looking in, and just kind of looking at the game: is is a player progressing? Is he developing? Is he getting better? Uh, and, and things of that nature. And then that allowed me to kind of get out of the the one mindset. Where it would bring a negativity and where I thought I had a way to impart uh, my presence or my knowledge or play on the situation and then let that uh, kind of fall into the next part where I'm just a quasi fan watching the game, not picking it apart as a player, but just more as a fan. And that allowed me to kind of get out of my head.
1: was there a time even momentarily in those kind of two years in injury to this point where you're like I'm done that you in the back of your head said ah, maybe there's a chance and did you ever feel like you were, you were letting your teammates down
0: oh absolutely you know and that's part of the that that's what drives you into depression is you know you, you play a team sport it's all about the team it's every, every man needs to come together and, and and be one and be a team and, and do things for one another and and when you're not there that's you know when you listen to guys that have played that that's one of the things that they miss the most is the camaraderie the locker room being together having sharing a common goal and common belief that you can win and then going out and executing and doing it and you know you miss that that's one of the things you miss the most and so yeah do you feel like you're letting them down absolutely you know there's always the the little birdie in the back of your brain going you can get there and, and you got to have a goal. You got to have a mission and you got to, you know, have something that's driving you to get healthy. Yeah, maybe you never know. I mean, who knows, but that certainly was a, was a remote, (laughs) very remote chance, you know, and then you get to, you know, like I said, I get to 40 and I'm like, no way. Couldn't do it. Mm -hmm.
1: We'll get to present day now and exercise and, and how you're doing, but it's, it's kind of weird that when these injuries initially happened, the stick to the eye, the hit from behind you kept playing because you had that moment in Detroit in the playoffs years before where, and you can explain it, but you know, you got hit in the chest, the puck, and that really startled you. That scared you to the point where you were relying on doctors. Can I come back? And yet later on, <clears throat> you're still relying on yourself to say, I can come back. So uh, why were those two instances different in your mind?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I had the same thing that happened to DeMar Hamlin. So I had you know, what's known as commotio cortis. I got hit in the heart right before my heart beat. I skipped a beat. Uh, as as I've now come to realize, I stopped breathing. Um, in my head, I cover the puck. I'm like, okay, get up. I knew where the bench was. I blacked out at that point. But in the video, you can see I get up, kind of stumble, go to the ice and the next thing you know, I wake up and I'm staring up at the Red Wings banners and, you know, all the lore and history in Joe Louis Arena, wondering what's going on. And I kind of glance over to my right and I can see our bench and you get guys crying over there. And as I talk to our trainer, Ray Barelli, I'm like, so what, what was going on? He's like, actually, we were panicking because at that time they didn't have defibrillators on the ice or in the building. Uh, he was getting ready to do mouth to mouth and was about to hit my chest to try to kickstart my heart. And then I just took a deep breath and I just all of a sudden kind of came to and started breathing, breathing again. And my heart started going. So it was a pretty scary situation. And, and, uh, but again, going back to, to your point about, well, why did you come back and play? It's all, that's all, you know, is well, I've, I'm alive. I can play. Like, uh, I sat and talked to the, to the heart specialist here in St. Louis for, probably 20 hours just asking questions by the time I got back here did some testing wore the heart monitor came back the next day looked at the monitor did more testing talked to her about what happened what was it why did it happen would it happen again you know it happens more frequently in little league and 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 in younger people but to think 25 years ago the next time it would happen on in a major sport was that incident. That's crazy to think, a 25-year span between uh, the two. And luckily, you know, for me, it wasn't on, there was no social media, very little coverage in the, in the media. Um, and so I think it kind of flew under the radar. And, and just having an understanding of how infrequently it happens and, and the timing and the number of things that have to happen before you get hit for that to actually happen, it's like winning the lottery. that's the odds are are massive. So you know having that understanding and then you know just asking the questions of is are there any short term side effects or long term side effects? What happens if somebody body checks me? What happens if you know on and on and on all the what ifs that people are probably thinking, you're asking all these questions. She's obviously imparting some wisdom on the heart and kind of the body and 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 the chemistry and how everything's made up and and what may or may not happen um uh, but you know listening to her and listening to the doctors and and you know some literature that I was given I mean into maybe you know what i be mean, honest, I probably play today too <laughs> like um once they tell you that you're fine and once you walk through um everything that, that transpired and, 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 and the reasons behind it and the sequencing of events and the timing and, and on and on. I mean, what are the chances of that happening a second time? Pretty slim. So I'm like, well, I'm here. <laughs> I went down to the rink and, you know, met with the coaching staff, you know, saw the guys and was like, well, I'm here. I'm, I'm physically cleared. At this stage, it's more of a mental hurdle. Like, are you going to be gun-shy? Are you... How, how are you going to do in the game? And, you know, are you, are you, are you potentially leaving yourself susceptible to, to getting injured because you're nervous or leery or uncomfortable playing the game again? So I took a warm-up, felt fine, and was like, well, I'm here. Let's... I might as well rip the Band-Aid off and get after it again uh, and, and see how I do. So it was... uh you know, it was a rush of adrenaline going onto the ice for that game, that's for sure. And and uh you know, I think just for for me and I think for a lot of athletes, just ripping the band-aid off and seeing if you can do it. Um and get an understanding. Not let it letting that moment linger too long and, and potentially giving you, you know, some some mental hurdles you're gonna need to jump over if that goes on for you know, had we I think we I think we won that game. I think we lost in five that series. So maybe we had a couple more games, and then we were done. Had I not played, and then I got to sit all summer and wonder, can I play, can I not play? I mean, I, I got into the game, and yeah, I was, you got butterflies going, you're a little bit nervous, but you're always nervous for a game. Um, I don't know if I was more nervous, but uh, once you get immersed in the game, you get hit a couple of times, you get the emotions going, the adrenaline going, you uh, you know it, it kind of that feeling kind of went away which was which was good for me just to get it over with and and get back into doing something that i love
1: so what role does exercise play in your life today and how important is it to you it's very important
0: you know i think i try to work out try to lift 3 to 4 times a week do cardio a couple times a week uh eat right you know a lot of it is diet as we all know and and what you put into your body and then it's for me, with my various injuries and <laughs> and maladies, um, you know, I just need to keep moving. Motion's lotion. If I'm sitting around, uh, you know, there's times when you're traveling or times when you're doing stuff and you're just sitting around a lot. That that's when my body stiffens up. It starts to you know tighten up and you get back issues and uh, you know things of like that. And hip flexors and you know knees get sore. Uh, but the more I'm functioning properly. Is when I'm active, I'm moving around, I'm walking, I'm golfing, I'm uh, just immersed in day-to-day life. Um, that's
1: when I feel the best. It sounds like if you don't do that, and if you are uh, stationary, uh, sedentary, then that could probably affect your mental health because you're not feeling as well.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and, and and it does. When you're sitting around, you're feeling a. You got a lot of time on your hands. More importantly, with mentally thinking to yourself, thinking deep thoughts, thinking about XYZ. Uh, and if you're working out, you're going to have more positive thoughts. You got your endorphins going. You got all these things from a positive standpoint working in your favor, uh, which is another reason why I try to do something every day try to get moving, try to be active, uh, just to kind of clear your head. You know, the more you get your blood flow moving, the better you're going to feel. Uh, the better thoughts you're going to have, uh, the deeper thoughts you're going to have in, in a positive manner. Um, so for me, just being active, you know, getting out there, doing stuff, it uh, it's a big part of my day.
1: You were lucky enough to have access to all of the best doctors, obviously, given, you know, who you were and the teams you played with. But what about someone off the street who's... Suffered a career-ending injury at work, you know, you know, construction site or something, um, or it's just not feeling right. How proactive should someone be in seeking out help and seeking out doctors, and not just sitting on something?
0: Well, I think you, number
1: one, you got to be proactive.
0: You know, look at how my career-ending situation happened. I I prolonged it and delayed it myself because I was had my head in the sand and didn't want to deal with what I was dealing with until ultimately I had to. And so, you know, I think you have to be proactive. I think you have to take the bull by the horns and, and eat right, be physically active. That doesn't mean you got to go spend money in the gym. You go for a walk. Get some fresh air. Get out of your house, apartment, whatever, and go for a walk. Get the fresh air. That fresh air on your face is going to allow you to sunlight, air, uh, it, it keeps your mind clean and clear. And, uh, if anything, that's the simplest form getting outside and going for a walk. If you're starting to feel like you're getting in your own head and you're having deep, dark thoughts, get outside, get some fresh air, take the shades off, feel it. And, and that's helped me a great deal. Just being outside, going for a walk, walking my dogs. It's not like it's, you know, incredibly taxing, uh, but just you're getting fresh air, going for a walk, you know, hanging out with the dogs, whatever, whatever you like to do. Um, You know, I think it's incredibly important.
1: You talk to doctors about your physical health. Did you ever have to talk to doctors about your mental health?
0: Yeah, there's a few times where, you know, you know, there's always, you know, do you want to hurt yourself? Do you want to, you know, I never got to that, that darkness. You know, there's lots of times you just you're in that dark hole and you're like, I just don't feel like doing anything. And, you know, you just, and the more you do that, the deeper down you go until you get to that point. I never got to that point. Cause you, know, you start feeling like that. And, you know, luckily I got a good wife. I got three, three good kid, beautiful kids, you know, and they kind of help drag you up and they can see you kind of slinkering away into the dark room or slinkering away over here, getting away from everybody. And they drag you back in, come outside, go for a walk, um, you know you know they they've, they've been a big a big part of it.
1: How's your quality of life now?
0: It's pretty good., um, just had my right knee replaced about sixteen months ago, and it's finally getting over the hump uh, where I can pretty much do anything, which is good. Um, you know, again, and I think it feels better. The more I use it, it feels the better it feels. You know, going for walks, riding the bike a little bit uh, golfing, you know, doing everything that I would normally do. You know, I was never a big runner. I'm not going to be a big runner. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever run again unless I'm being chased. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I, I think it's important to, to get back to your, the things that are you're passionate about and the things that you want to do and have wanted to do, whether it's, your injuries are slowing you down and not allowing you to, or uh, you know your mental acuity and clarity is is foggy. You get out, get moving. That'll help unfog you and 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 give you the the clear mindset that that there is a a, a better day ahead,
1: and it's a matter of going and finding it. Eyesight's okay. What about hearing? Are you still sensitive to sound? <laughs> hearing Do you is still have wear the white noise ear? earbuds?
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, eyesight's good. You know, I think every year, I think it's partly aged now where every year I got to get a little bit stronger glasses. Um, you know, loud sounds still bother me, more so when the sounds are behind me. If there's a loud sound in front of me, I'm fine. But, but, but when, when there's a loud noise behind me, it's not good. Uh, it still startles me and you know it might trigger me a little bit, but um, you know, overall, you know, I would say I'm as good as I'm gonna get and and I think that's where I might not ever get to where I was, but where I am now is so much further away and and better than where I was. and I think you you have to have notches, lines, goals, whatever whatever you want to call them. And and once you hit those hurdles, make sure you don't revert back. Stay here, always just continually set another notch up. Everything's always moving in the right direction. And as you keep doing that, you know, whether it's, you know, let's say you were a runner, you know, you're go walking, slow walk, you know, quick, quick walking, jogging, speed jogging, and then you're running. And it just constantly having the, the little hurdles that you can accomplish. So you feel good about yourself, you accomplish something. You can't set the goal so high that you're never going to accomplish it. And therefore, you feel terrible because you're not reaching your goals. you got to set them so you can achieve them, check them off the list, and then keep going.
1: I think this is a good time for this question because I think it, you kind of answered it there. But what does, you know, the, the title of this podcast is Don't Change Much. So uh, when you're trying to get better mentally and physically, what does don't change much mean to you? Well, I think it's it's a matter of small increments
0: in the right direction don't change much. If, if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. And, and therefore, if you're seeing improvement, stick with it, don't change much. You know, you might add an exercise, you might add one little thing that to see if that improves, but it's a metric that you can now track because it's something small. You're not going completely outside uh, whatever you're doing and then going, okay, which one worked? Because you're seeing a little bit of improvement, you do this over here. Is that why it's better, or is it just because of the little improvements that you were making? And so I, I, I thoroughly believe and don't change much. I mean, it, it's a matter of slow, steady progress. You know, the, the tortoise and the hare—whatever analogy you want to use. Slow, steady progress is going to get you to where you want to go. There is no quick fix, especially in this. It's slow, steady progress progress makes perfection but it's a matter of getting getting there and it and it takes time and unfortunately for a lot of people they don't understand that and and they get bogged down in oh well so and so is already doing this and i should everybody's different everybody's running at their own speed at their own pace uh, and healing at, at at their own at their own speed and own pace so it's a matter of of understanding that and and set your own uh, hurdles, goals, guidelines whatever you want to call them not based on somebody else but based on yourself
1: well Chris thanks for uh, coming on the podcast today uh, sharing your stories uh, we hope that there's parallels that uh, people that weren't professional athletes uh, can take from this and incorporate their own lives to try to get better so uh, we hope you're feeling better and I look forward to seeing you uh, in person yes. Fairly soon. thank you Dan, appreciate it, thanks for having me Thank you so much for listening. You can access more information at menshealthfoundation.ca. And if you haven't already, click the follow button to join us every month for a new episode of the Don't Change Much podcast.